Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. guys. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask for your word today to be sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus, I ask that you would meet us today through your word. Jesus, I even ask that you would do what Song of Solomon 1 says, that you would kiss us with the kisses of your word. Lord, we want to be so close to you. We want to be face-to-face with you through your word. So would you help me today to deliver your word to your amazing, beautiful people. Lord, thank you for your enjoyment of us. Lord, I pray that we would feel your pleasure in us. Lord, even as you did in my heart yesterday, God, I pray for waves and waves of your pleasure to come to your people as they hear your word. Lord, if there's anything that's not inspired by you that's going to come through my mouth, would you stop it before it comes? Lord, I pray for anything that's inspired of you to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to look at the third and final part of a three-part message that I began in July, which I gave the title, Moving God's Heart Through Oil, Wine, and Water. And as a reminder, the core of this message was inspired by a YouTube worship moment. Who gets touched by YouTube worship moments sometimes? Well, I was touched back in April, and this moment inspired me to craft these sermons for us as a church family. So we're actually going to play the moment just to give it its due. We play it right now. upon your feet, the feet of Jesus, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart. As I meditated on these three realities, oil, wine, and water, an abundance of Bible stories and scriptures related to these substances started to flood my mind, and this is what inspired me to craft these sermons for us. Well, in this final and third week, 
we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say to back up the last line of that chorus, like water from my heart. Over the next number of minutes, we're going to see how we, in the midst of all of our weaknesses and wanderings, actually have the ability, we have the ability to give to the heart of Jesus a real refreshing substance of water in the Spirit. We're going to peer into many scriptural ways that we can fill up the wellsprings of our hearts and then invite our beloved Jesus to come in and drink freely and deeply of the pure water of life that is proceeding from our innermost beatings. Overall, we're going to see again from the Bible how we can bless, refresh, and even invigorate the very heart of God with real spiritual water from our lives. And as a reminder, all three of these messages have been essentially aimed at one goal, giving us confidence as a church family that we actually can fulfill the first three words of our church's concise mission statement that is written on the wall out there when you first come in. The whole essential aim of these messages is to give us radical confidence that we can actually touch the very emotions of God in heaven, the uncreated God who knows everything, can somehow be marveling and moved at our acts of worship and service for him. Now before we jump into these specific ways that we can give water to the heart of God, I want us to look at a couple verses from a Song of Solomon passage that is related to our message on water today. Jesus, in Song of Solomon 4, describes the heart of his sincere followers. It's something very profound. Song of Solomon 4 Verses 12 and 15. This is what he says about your heart. I want you to look at your chest as I read these verses. Look at your chest. This is what he says over you. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, the bride of Christ. A spring shut up, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. This is how Jesus views our hearts, our interior lives. A garden enclosed, a spring shut up. That area of your heart is a private spring just for him. It's a fountain of gardens that he alone can eat from. And it's a well of living waters that he alone can drink from. Ultimately, because when you stand before him on that day, when you see him, no one else is going to be beside you. No one else is going to answer for you. You're going to answer for your own interior life, your own well of living waters. How did you treat it? Now, in a va- I want you to catch this. In a vast desert of a godless and lawless world, God has certain oases and brooks and springs that he draws real pleasure from. He draws real delight from these hearts on the earth right now. Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth. Do you see his eyes searching to and fro throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him? It's clear that Jesus is on a constant search for wells and fountains to drink from in the midst of the ever-increasing darkness and barrenness that is characterizing this crooked and perverse 
end time generation. Do y'all catch that? Do you know how valuable you are? <laughs> Let's look now at four simple ways that we can practically give to the heart of Jesus this pure and precious water from the good treasure of our hearts. The first way is a logical starting point, but it's through salvation, through the new birth of coming into his family through Jesus. This is the logical starting point for everything we're going to look at for the rest of today. We can't even begin to please God without receiving a clean, new heart through the miracle of the new birth of salvation. It's the first miracle. You know what the Bible says about people not in the family of God? In the Psalms it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. God is not always in a good mood with everyone in the planet. He is angry with the wicked every day. But the converse is just as true. Our Father is moved with pleasure for the godly every day. I felt that pleasure over Jim Jack this week, just thinking about his humble service to the Lord. He's probably hating that I'm saying his name right now, but the Lord is pleased with Jim Jack every day. And what are the godly? They're simply the ones who have received in faith the cleansing water and the heart transplants that we'll see shortly in Ezekiel 36. John 3, 5. Jesus answered, most assuredly. So he's like, listen up. Everything I say is the truth, but this is the extra truth. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom or the family of God. You have, there is a necessary spiritual water that must be applied to the soul of an individual for them to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. What is this water? There's five schools of thought on what this water is, but the one that has the most scriptural weight is actually a, a beautiful prophecy from Ezekiel 36. One of the most beautiful prophecies in the whole of the Old Testament. Ezekiel 36, this is the Lord speaking. And if you don't know Jesus intimately, if you haven't felt his touch, receive these verses and say yes to this water right now and come into the family. As you hear these words right now, if that's you, if you're feeling like that may be me, as you hear these verses, you could actually be born again right now by hearing the word in faith. So open up your heart. Then the Lord is saying to you in the room right now, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a tender heart of flesh. <laughs> Amen. We go home now. Jesus' blood, catch this. Jesus' blood was and is 90% water, as is all of our blood. So yes, this Ezekiel 36 water is symbolic in a spiritual sense. But at the same time, it's also a very real substance that was shed on the hill of Calvary 2,000 years ago. As blood and water flowed freely and fully from the wounds of our Jewish Savior. Our job, you know what our big job is in this first step of salvation? It's not much. <laughs> it's simply to believe in and then receive the cleansing water of God's supernatural saving work 
through the divine blood of Jesus. Now what's really cool is that those people, even maybe one or two in the room this morning who have taken this first step of salvation, in that very moment, one minute ago, their new hearts and their new lives instantaneously became pleasing to God. A second before, two minutes ago, he was angry. But a second after, he is enraptured with your life now. (laughs) When people come into the kingdom through Jesus, they get a new name and a new identity that, again, shows us just how much they have become desirable and enjoyable to God. Do you know what your new name is? It's in Isaiah 62. You used to be, you, your name used to be forsaken. God had turned his face away. Your other name was desolate. You were a dry and barren, and you gave no pleasure to the heart of God. But a second after, you know what your new ma- name is? It's a Hebrew word. It's Hepzibah. Everyone say Hepzibah. Say, I am Hepzibah. What does that mean? It literally means my delight is in her. (laughs) That's what he says of everyone. My delight is in you, Kyle. I'm I'm talking to another Kyle right now, and I'm talking to me too. (laughs) My delight is in her. That's your new name. And your other name is Beulah. Everyone say, my other name is Beulah. It means I'm married to the Lord. That's why I want him to kiss you with the kisses of his word. Because what happens on a marriage day? You get kissed. (laughs) It's in a holy way, guys. A holy kiss. So in conclusion of this first point, when we receive the cleansing water and blood of Jesus to save us, we instantaneously became a delight to God's heart. And in turn, this, is the whole, this will set us up for success for the rest of the message. We set ourselves up for a lifetime of having the ability to move his heart in an ever-increasing manner. This is the core Ezekiel 36 water of salvation that we get to offer to Jesus every day that we stay following him. It starts here. And now, for the rest of the message, again, to set us up for success to receive the water that comes after salvation. There's more water to come. It's not a one-time sprinkling. Our ultimate success for the remainder of this message and the remainder of your Christian life is going to come down to really one word. Thirst. Thirst. Desire. Want to. Hunger, thirst, desire, desperation, eagerness. All these words point to the same reality. A reality that is arguably the most valuable commodity in the kingdom of heaven. Thirst. It's going to serve us well as a church family to, off, to regularly pray for the gift of desire. The gift of thirst. The gift of desperation. The gift of disillusionment with the, every other fountain that the world may offer you. So in order for us to receive and give back to God the most amount of spiritual water possible from your life, we need to take a posture of spiritual violence. Everyone say spiritual violence. How do we do this? We do this by possessing a ravenous, violent thirst and desire for the more of God, the water of God. This posture, guys, I guarantee you, will set you up to be the deepest, widest, longest, purest, 
spiritual well that Jesus can drink from in the earth. You know what your life mission should be? You would be the deepest, widest, longest, purest well in the earth for Jesus to drink from. It's okay to be ambitious for something like that in the kingdom. (laughs) Your life goal, I want to be the purest and have the most water in my life that Jesus can drink from. That's a good ambition. David in Psalm 63 typifies this heart posture of spiritual violence and desperate thirst to get the most water from God that a human heart could possibly hold in his generation. David had the deepest well in his generation. That's why Jesus chose to become his descendant. (laughs) A man after God's own heart who fulfilled all the will of God in his generation. (laughs) Psalm 63.1, David says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Like 6 a.m. early. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Imagine a dry and cracked parched desert ground. We might have the picture up there. Imagine this, a dry, cracked, and parched desert ground. How desperate and thirsty is this ground for a drink of water? So too must we be in a world that is dry and cracked and very parched. It takes daily spiritual violence in order to keep the wells of our hearts unpolluted and overflowing. And I'm going to give us three more ways after salvation here that we can do just that. First, is by drinking of the water of God's word. Isaiah 55. Listen, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters of God's word. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. Here in Isaiah 55, it's clear that thirst is the prerequisite that will qualify us to receive more and more of the water of God's word. That's pretty intuitive. Thirst is the prerequisite. I want everyone to look at their Bible right now or look at the app on your phone. You can pull out your phone and look at the app or look at your Bible if you have it in paper. I want you to envision this Bible as a massive thunderstorm cloud that is ever bursting with a downpour of rain. You see that picture of that supercell on the screen there? This is what your Bible is like 24-7. It is always raining in the Spirit when you have an open Bible. God is always speaking in the Spirit. And it's not a little trickle, it's a downpour. According to your thirst, who as a kid, when it started raining, or maybe you've done it last week if you're an adult and you're still childlike, y'all know what I'm about to say? Who as a kid, when it started raining, you ran outside, you wanted to taste the raindrops because you were childlike. We need to do that again in real life. But more importantly, we need to approach God's word every day like a child sprinting outside, drinking of the raindrops of each word that's written on those pages. 
Because it's not just ink on pages. It's the very living word of God that has the ability to change everything for you. Change all of your circumstances in your body, soul, and spirit. It's always reigning in the spirit. And I can promise us, if we take this childlike posture of joyfully drinking from and receiving the ever-present raindrops of God's word over the course of time, I promise you that we will amass a deep and wide reservoir that we can give back to the heart of God as we speak his word back to him in prayer and as we speak his word to others in order to help save and encourage them. God's heart is moved to great delight when his people take his word seriously and teach others to take his word seriously. That's what faith is, taking God's word seriously. Looking also at Isaiah 55 here with some sanctified selfishness or some sanctified ambition, we see that this passage guarantees us success, prosperity, and greatness in God's eyes from his perspective. Not as the world defines prosperity and greatness. (laughs) This is promised to us as we receive his word with humility and thirst. Take that to the bank. You are guaranteed a successful and prosperous life in God's eyes as you take these words like raindrops of water, like a little kid with his tongue out in a rainstorm. (laughs) So guys, let us drink freely and confidently from God's word knowing that every drop of this heavenly water is a raindrop full of prosperity that has the infinite, inherent power to accomplish what it says, to accomplish God's will in your bodies, your souls, your emotional life, and your spirits. Now, another amazing effect of the water of God's word is found in the well-known Ephesians 5 passage. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with what? How are we sanctified and cleansed? With the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her, this is the end goal, that Jesus might present her to himself, a glorious, a radiant, a shining, bright church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy, And without blemish. Every time we read the written word of God and receive it into our hearts, it's as if Jesus himself is in our living rooms or our prayer closets pouring fresh, heavenly water on our hearts. This water of the word is sanctifying us, setting us apart, making us more and more holy, more and more like Jesus. This water is cleansing us from the inside out. Remember, there was an initial cleansing in Ezekiel 36 at salvation But then there is a present continuous cleansing in the sanctification process that is making us more and more pure. And this happens most perfectly as we allow each drop of God's word to settle in our hearts. The water of the word is removing every spot, every blemish from the garments of our hearts. The water of the word also functions like hot steam. Who's got a steamer for their wrinkly clothes? That's what the word is like de-wrinkling the garments of our souls that disappointments and sin have made. Every time you steam your clothes, think of the word of God. Now this water from the lips of Jesus through his word is not just making us clean and wrinkle-free. It's going above and beyond that and actually making us glorious. 
glorious. The water of the word makes us shine. We may not always feel it, but as we drink of his word, Jesus really is drenching us with beautiful, glorious light. It changes our countenances. It causes our very beings to radiate more and more with his light. Now, what's the result of all this? The water of his word, it's seen clearly in Revelation 19. There's a Revelation 19 result. Let's look at it. Let us be glad, church. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Jesus glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Everyone say, the marriage of the Lamb. And his wife, the bride, the believers, have made herself ready for that wedding day. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen. Do you see yourself in this fine linen? Clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. We make ourselves ready, church, primarily through the righteous act of drinking deeply of the very words of God through the Bible and through the rhema whispers, the right now whispers of Jesus through those pages. Now, as we avail ourselves of this water, we move God's heart because we demonstrate to Jesus, we show Jesus that we sincerely value the reality of our heavenly wedding day. That's what reading the word shows Jesus. We value that day above any other day. This is a big deal to him. Imagine a bride. Evan, imagine Katie before your wedding day. You're on the altar. You're waiting for her. Imagine a bride. Sorry, I'm going to call you out, Katie. I know you looked way better than this picture is going to show. Imagine a bride that gave no time in preparation to her wedding day and showed up to the altar in a wrinkly, Cheeto dust-stained hoodie and sweatpants. Imagine that. That would not please the heart of the groom at all. The fact that this bride did not take the proper time or give the proper honor to this most important occasion of her wedding ceremony. You're like, are you serious? Well, so too it is with the heart of Jesus, our eternal, ultimate groom. I'm not going to be married to Brooke forever, but I'm going to be married to Jesus forever. And Brooke's look, Brooke looks great on that picture on the right. So when we value the ultimate wedding day, by putting it in its proper place of supreme importance, we will actually do things with our time and our schedule to prepare ourselves to be as pure and spotless and wrinkle-free as we possibly can. This is in my notes. This is wild. My dad said this. This life causes us to get stains on our garments. Think about it another way. We pick up bugs on the windshields of our hearts as we drive through life. That's in my notes. That's why it's imperative to avail ourselves of this continual flow of cleansing, this continual heavenly downpour that is found in the water of God's word. Amen? So let's look at another way that we can give water to the heart of Jesus. It's by drinking or thirsting of the water of the Holy Spirit. It's a unique water the very water of the third person of the Trinity who is sent to the earth to live with us as God himself, fully God. He's not a third-string God. He is fully God. He's a five-star Michael Jordan God. 
times a billion because Michael Jordan's a man. He's the goat. He's just as good as father and son. We got to drink of the water of the Holy Spirit, this gift that was given to us when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. John 7, 37, Jesus says what it says before. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. This is one of the few times that Jesus cried out. He was very meek, gentle, and lowly. This is one time he's like, listen up. Cried out. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he said concerning the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is within you. <laughs> Look at that description. Rivers of living water. And last time I checked, rivers don't start and stop. They flow, they flow, they flow. Wow. We get, you know how we get more of the Spirit? It's in that first part of that verse. Someone say it. Thirst. It's by thirsting. And the simplest expression of thirst is seen in the childlike act of simply asking. Asking Father for a cup of water. Simply asking for a continual infilling. Lindsay, I know you do this. You ask for a continual infilling every day. The Lord sees those prayers, and he's going to answer them. He's already answered them, and he's going to keep answering them, Lindsay. So keep asking. Keep asking for the continual infilling. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, words of Jesus, if you then, being evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to who? To those who ask him. Those who thirst for it. When we thirst for, i.e. ask for, and receive fresh infillings of the Holy Spirit after salvation, we receive a greater flow of that eternal fountain of living water. The problem's not with the Holy Spirit. The problem's with the flow that's coming out of us. We can either choose to dam that up or let it flow. <laughs> He's removing stones from the river of life that's within you. Right, Dad? He's removing stones. That was a prophetic word my dad got many years ago that meant so much to him in this church. It's one of the reasons this church is still here. As Jesus taught us, that eternal fountain is flowing from within where? Our innermost beings or our heart or our belly. A flow that we can then give back to God and give back to others. This unique water of the Holy Spirit will naturally overflow out of our hearts. In where? What's the expression of it? Mainly in our words that we speak to God and speak to others. Now what are some markers, I just gave you a hint of one marker, what are some markers that we should expect to see in our lives as we ask for a continual infilling of the water of the Holy Spirit? Here are some practical outworkings and markers of being filled to overflowing with the very Spirit of God. First, tongues. Tongues will happen. Your heavenly prayer language your heavenly personal prayer language. Tongues will happen more often. 1 Corinthians 14.2. This is your personal prayer language between you and God. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Holy Spirit, he speaks mysteries to God. 
Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Anyone ever been weak and not know what to pray? (laughs) There's hope for you in this verse. Because the Spirit himself makes intercession, prayers for us, with groanings, travail that cannot be uttered. It's a form of a tongue, the groaning. Every time we pray in the Spirit, in tongues, we are allowing that river of life to flow directly from our hearts to God's heart. Every time you pray in tongues, there is no blockage between your heart, the river in your heart, and the river in God's heart. That's why it's so beautiful. And that's why so much happens when you pray in tongues. I can commend tongues to you all day. If I have any emotional distress or something coming against me, if I can pray in tongues, a lot of times within five minutes or sometimes within three seconds, I feel better. That means it's real. That means the river of life is flowing. Not the river of death or the river of fear or the river of heaviness. Get this, as we pray in tongues, we are in a sense pouring perfect and pure water into the very heart of God as we pray his perfect and pure will through the gift of our heavenly prayer language. And if you haven't received that gift yet, come to the front. It comes often through the laying on of hands. That's what is seen in scripture. So get people who've received the gift to believe in faith that the gift's gonna be imparted through their hands. Another outworking of being filled with the water of the spirit to overflowing is that Holy Spirit-inspired songs will flow from your lips. Songs, you'll be a singing people. Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, right, Paul? Do not be drunk with wine. Paul is drunk all the time on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, or basically a wasteful life, but be continuously filled Present continuous. Be being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. To who? To the Lord. You're singing to the Lord. You ever catch yourself just singing praise songs as you go about your day? Who's done that? You caught yourself, you're like, I'm just singing a praise song. That's a good sign. Your water tank is full. And it's coming out in a song. But notice, and I said it, these songs, it's so beautiful, because this is all about moving God's heart. These songs are ultimately directed to the Lord. They're refreshing and blessing his holy heart as you sing and you clean your house. (laughs) So keep singing. A third outworking (laughs) is that Holy Spirit-inspired words, words in English, like I'm speaking to you now, will flow from your lips. Jesus said, Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Acts 4, here's an example. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing is the implication, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. He spoke in Hebrew, Aramaic, or yeah, of the time, the the language of the time. 1 Corinthians 12.3, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit of God, so there's words in our known language, no one speaking by the Holy Spirit calls Jesus accursed. No one curses Jesus speaking by the Spirit of God. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you ever want to practice this? Just say, Jesus is Lord of my life. He's my king. He's my ruler. He's who I answer to. He's my Lord. 
Holy Spirit just spoke through me. Of that, I'm sure. Because <laughs> the Bible says so. Last outworking of being filled to overflowing is that you will have times of Holy Spirit-inspired tears. Tears. Guys, we can give salt water to the very heart of God through our tears, and he loves it. He doesn't spit it out like we do at the beach. He loves our salt water from our eyes. Corey Russell, kind of a spiritual papa to Josh here, he says that tears are liquid prayer. Tears are liquid prayer that goes straight to the heart of God. You know how I can say this with confidence? Psalm 56. <laughs> you number my waterings, uh, wanderings, God. Put my tears in your eternal bottle of remembrance. That's what he's saying. They're so precious to him. Tears are liquid prayer. <laughs> They're in his book forever. His book of remembrance forever. All of your tears. That's a way you can move God's heart with water. And these tears can be grateful or mournful. Both work for God. So keep crying. Just to sum up the bigger point here, we can receive more and more of the water of the Spirit by simply thirsting, i.e. asking in childlike faith. Marissa, you can come on up. We're going to look at one more simple way we can give water to the heart of God as we close here. This is through simple acts of service for other people. Simple acts of service. Jesus calls them cups of cold water. Matthew 10, 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Stay locked in, guys. He shall by no means lose his reward. Every little act of service you do in the name of Jesus for another person in need he remembers it forever. It's an re eternal reward that he has set up as a memorial forever for you in heaven. Does it get any better than that? He remembers everything that we even forget. We're going to be blown away when we see our eternal rewards. He's like, I don't remember doing that. I was like 95% angry and that 5% Holy Spirit that helped me to not, not yell at that person. He's going to remember that forever. <laughs> Set up a memorial, an eternal reward. You know what? It does get better because in Matthew 25, he says, look at what he says. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you, Jesus, hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And Jesus will answer them and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So it does get better. Because every time we give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus to someone in need, it's like we're giving it to Jesus himself. It's like we're locking eyes with Jesus himself and giving him that little act of service or that little piece of bread to someone who's hungry. That's so special. You could touch the very heart of God on this earth right now by doing little acts of service. Isaiah 58, he says, if you extend your soul meaning give your time, give your energy, give your love to who? To the hungry. And if you satisfy the afflicted soul, meaning if, you, if someone is afflicted with demons and you satisfy them by delivering them from demons, you know what you're like to God? It's the last part of that verse there. You shall be like a well-watered garden in his eyes and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail as you live a life 
of radical service in the name of Jesus. Kevin, you live this. You live this life of service, not looking for a reward. Well, guess what? Jesus has rewards for you forever. Let's stand to our feet. Living a lifestyle of extending ourselves to the needy makes us into this well-watered garden, a spring of water, an aquifer whose waters never fail. They never get cut off. Like our Edwards aquifer out here is getting dried up through the lack of rain and the overuse. The aquifer in your heart never gets dried up as you live a life of radical service for others. You will become an ever-present source of refreshment that Jesus can always find a drink from in the earth. Remember, the Lord's eyes are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth for oases of wholehearted love and devotion that he can drink from. Jesus is looking for well-watered gardens to take great pleasure and delight in as a lovesick bridegroom that he is at the core. Jesus is looking for ones like David who have thirsted after him in a dry and weary land like the culture that we live in. And in so doing, they have become drenched, drenched and saturated with the water of his word and the water of his spirit. Brenda, you're drenched. He's looking for ones who will give cups of cold water to others in need around them, for ones who will live lives of radical service, knowing that every time they serve someone in his name, it's as if, in essence, they are serving Jesus himself. And as one final encouragement, I just had to bring this out because I didn't get to it when I taught on Psalm 110 months ago, so I have to bring this out. One of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible, the Holy Spirit's favorite psalm actually is Psalm 110. He quoted it the most through the apostles in the New Testament. Psalm 110, the last verse. We'll, we'll read the first two verses before it. But this is the end time after Jesus comes back. You know, Jesus is coming back as a man of war. He's coming back with blood on his garments. Not the blood of the cross, but the blood of his enemies. The blood of the kings and evil rulers and heads of state that are going to be murdering Jews and Christians at an astonishing rate. There might be martyrs in here who Jesus is going to avenge your blood with the very blood of your enemies on his garments. That's in Isaiah 63. How does he get his blood on there? Right here, Psalm 110. David is looking at the Father right now and he says, The Lord, Jesus, is at your right hand, Father, but he's not going to stay there forever. He's not going to stay at the right hand of the Father forever. What's he going to do? He's going to come down and vindicate and execute kings, presidents, UN council members. In the day of his wrath, he shall judge among the nations. He shall fill up the places with dead bodies, the very bodies that tried to kill saints across the earth. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He's coming back as a man of war. But look at this. Look at this astonishing last verse of Psalm 110. <laughs> What's he going to do in the midst of it? As he's on his military excursion to Jerusalem to rescue the remnant of Jews, what is he going to do? He's going to drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will be invigorated and he will lift up his head in his military mission. What's the brook? What's the brook that he's going to drink from? <laughs> My dad just said it. It's my heart. He's going to drink from our agreement and our songs of love saying, come back, rescue your bride. We love you. We miss you. We want to see you face to face. That's what he's going to drink from. And it's all going to be worth it. Every ounce of blood on his garment is going to be worth it 
because Sarah Adams is welcoming him home with a song of love. Do you see yourself in Psalm 110? Are you the brook that he's going to drink from by the wayside when he comes back? You are, Steph. (laughs) You are. He's going to drink from you, your love and your agreement. He's not going to come back in a vacuum. He's going to come back with songs and prayers of agreement. We're going to use the book of Revelation as a prayer manual to welcome him home. That's what he's going to come back to. So let's ask ourselves. Look at your heart right now. Ask yourselves. Let's ask Jesus. Am I a brook that you can drink from right now? Undoubtedly, many if not all, the Lord is saying, yes, you are. I love drinking from your love. I love drinking from my word that proceeds from your mouth back to me in prayer. I love drinking from the Holy Spirit, that river of life that flows from within you. I love it. Thank you for being a brook. Thank you for being an oasis in a dry and weary land where most of the planet hates me and hates my word. Thank you. That's what he's saying. But from the ways that I talked about, are there ways that we can give more water to the heart of God? Can we all be like David? Can we all be ambitious in here? Can we all have some sanctified selfishness and say, as for me and my heart, I want to be the deepest, widest, longest, purest well that he can drink from. Ask him for grace for all of these areas. It's really going to be two, three, and four. If you're talking to him, you're probably saved. Ask him for more grace to step under the supercell of his word, to step under the downpour of the 24-7 rain and the spirit of his written word. Ask him for childlikeness to run out into the street and stick your tongue out for a drop of water of his word. Ask him for grace to be like a child going to his dad in the middle of the night asking for a cup of water knowing that he's not going to turn you down when you ask for more of his spirit. And ask him for grace, for compassion. Oh, that the church would be filled with compassion, moved with compassion to live lives of radical service for others, knowing that every time you do one little thing for someone in need, you're doing it to Jesus himself. Let's ask him. 30 seconds. Ask him for help. For your reservoir to grow deeper, wider, and longer to read the word more, ask for more of the Spirit. Ask him right now, just start talking to him. Next 30 seconds, just start talking to him. Ask him, say, I want my well to be pure. Fill me with compassion for those in need. Help me not to hide my own flesh from my brother and sister. Help me not hide myself when someone's in need. Just keep asking him. Get invite up my dad and Josh for ministry time. Altar prayer teams you can come up to for ministry time. Bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. 
If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.